Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning, Trinity Community Church. How are you today? Good. Before we get rolling, I just feel like, you know, the video we just saw talked about God's whispers. How many of you know that God speaks to you? He said, my sheep hear my voice. Everybody say, bah, you're a sheep. So anytime we come in here, let me, let me get you behind the curtain a little bit. You know, our worship team, they prepare, you know, I, my talk, I'm a, you know, my stuff's usually done by Monday for what I'm going to do. I'm a, you know, if God could speak to me Saturday night as I'm travailing to have a talk for you guys, he can speak to me on Monday. But we're always open to the, le- to the, the learning or to the, to the leaning and the, and the direction of the Holy Spirit. So during the services, I'm praying the whole time. I'm worshiping and I'm praying, Lord, what do you want to do today? How many of you know that we're here for him? I mean, his agenda always supersedes my agenda. Hopefully his agenda supersedes your agenda. Right? It's the way it should be for us. So I was praying this morning and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, this morning, I really believe that God wants to, he wants to bring restoration. Some of you are here today and you're tired. Your heart has been broken over and over and over again. In fact, you're even to a place where there's things in your life that once were alive but are now dead. Because you've had to do that to kind of save yourself. And I believe the word of the Lord this morning is this. This morning he wants to divinely bring restoration. He wants to revive those dead places in your heart, in your spirit, even in your bodies. His heart is to bring restoration. I long to hear the words that we read in Revelation when he says, Behold, I make all things new. That is his heart for us, that everything would be new. Now, we're stuck in this flux right now. The kingdom is here, but it's not here. We see glimpses of it, but we still deal with the frailty and the brokenness of our world. This is why we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to come in, to energize us, and to move us beyond our brokenness. So if you're here today and you just, you need to experience, when I'm talking about restoration, it's resonating in your heart. I want you to lift your hand. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. Don't worry. Just keep it up. This is what we're going to do. Just want you to bow your heads just for a second. I want you to open your heart to God. And we're going to pray right now that the God of restoration would come and restore all things in your life. But here's the catch, beloved. You have to place those things in his hands. You have to place your heart in his hands. You have to place your pain in his hands. You have to place your disappointments in his hands. All of those things. So give him those things right now. Behold, he makes everything new. Holy Spirit. We trust you with our most precious things, Lord. We trust you with our hearts. Father, we trust you, Lord, with our plans and our purposes, Lord. All the things that we have for our lives, Lord, we place in your hands in this moment. We trust you with our physical bodies, Lord God. We know that even when our bodies break down, your kingdom endures. You don't break down, but you come with strength and you hold us up with your strong right arm. So, Father, right now, I pray that you would breathe restoration on your people. Bring restoration. 
bring restoration. Lord, you've seen our tears in the night. You've seen the weariness of our souls. Father, bring restoration. We know that, God, you have the final word. You have the final say. Bring restoration. Now allow the Holy Spirit just to envelop you. I don't know if you know this or not. God is crazy about you. He loves you. And it's his heart that you and I are free. He, you know, the Bible says, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. His heart for us is that we walk in freedom. The enemy tries to, to, to put baggage on you. The enemy tries to weigh you down with brokenness and sin and pain. God is here to bring you freedom. That's what the gospel is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Walk in that joy. Don't be burdened. And anytime you feel those weights coming on you, it's real simple. Run to Jesus. Or if you're old and you have a limp, walk quickly to Jesus. Just get to him. Doesn't matter how you get to him, just get to him. Put yourself in God's presence and allow him to bring restoration. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is restoration. Move yourself out of the religious parts of it and find him. He is where life is. Are you with me? All right. Um, I'm a little amped up. We had Pastor Trish join us last night in our Saturday night service, and we prayed our guts out for her. And we're believing that God's going to heal her body and everything. So as you remember, as you think of her, pray for Pastor Trish. God's doing remarkable things in their family and in her life. And I believe she's going to be a testimony to God's power and his greatness. Are you with me, beloved? Amen. Just real quick before I forget, um, we have this little thing coming up in a month called Easter. Don't know if you heard about it. It's a pretty big deal in the Christian world. Jesus came back to life. Hello. We have a few things that are happening. We have our community candy crush. What is it? Grab a candy bag, pray over it, give it to a neighbor, pray for them. Grab one candy bag a week, pray for it, give it out. We got invite cards. Grab a bunch, take them to your neighbors, your friends. Um, we have the egg hunt coming up. Uh, we need your help. It's going to be amazing. I think right now we've raised uh, over $12,000 for the egg hunt, which is good. The goal is $15,000. we are asking every family to give 100 bucks because everything we do at Trinity for our community is free. We, we pour into our community. We don't take from our community, just what we do. Um, then we have the way. How many of you were part of the way before? It's great. Be a part of that. And then our Easter Sunday services, Easter weekend services, excuse me, uh, are, we have two on that Saturday, four and six, and then two on Sunday, nine and 11. It's a great opportunity to invite your friends, your neighbors, and your loved ones. Um, three things you need to do. First is pray. Praise gasoline in the engine of the church. When you leave, go out there, sign up for Prayer Furnace Extreme. There's also prayer booklets there. We're asking you to pray for one hour. That's it. One hour. Pray. Pray that God would shift the region and people would come to know him. Second, we need your body. Go out there, volunteer for something. Do not be a bump on a log. Do not be a spiritual overseer. Don't be, you know, from a distance. Don't be that person. Get involved. And last, support us financially. Again, we want to do everything, you know, free of charge. 
Um, by the way, we need candy, we need bikes, we need eggs, we need all that stuff, we need scooters. Come get involved. You can never outgive God. All right, my commercial's over. Um, this is the last week in our series called Miracles. And what's been cool is this. Not only have we been talking about miracles, but over this last month, we have been experiencing miracles. How many of you know that it's great when your faith moves beyond words and steps into the realm of action? As believers, we've been about words way too long, beloved. Don't get me wrong. I love words. I love to speak. I don't know if you can tell. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> but our faith has to move beyond just our slick words and all the other things. Our faith has to have substance. It has to have power. That's where miracles come into play. It's all through the book. That's not ancient history. It's a roadmap to how God wants to deliver his kingdom now. Do you believe that? Well, four of you do. That's awesome. We're going to, us four, we're going to change the world. I remember years ago, I, I was very fortunate. Um, I got an opportunity to spend some really incredible time with some incredible leaders, spiritual leaders. One of those guys was a, a guy by the name of John Paul Jackson. Um, I don't know if some of, you, some of you know who John Paul Jackson is. He's been gone to be with the Lord now. Uh, he's probably the strongest prophetic voice I've ever been encountered, I've ever encountered in my whole life. I've encountered some amazing prophetic people. Uh, he was very real, very gentle, but very powerful. Uh, I got to connect with him. Um, I was one of his worship guys when he would do conferences around, uh, around the United States. And um, I was just getting to know John Paul, and I forget where we were at. We were at a church somewhere. They were doing a big conference. And I'm sitting in the green room. I just did a worship set. I was tired. It was nuts. There was thousands of people there. And John Paul Jackson was also off on the worship set. Now, John Paul Jackson is one of these guys. He was so prophetic, he knew everything about everybody all the time, which is just a ridiculous gift. I remember I would hear him talk about my friends. He would say things about my friends that there's no way he would know about, but I knew it. I'm like, this is nuts. So he was a guy that everybody wanted to be around. So I'm sitting in the green room by myself, and I watch, and John Paul Jackson starts walking toward me. He was off on that session too. And as he's coming closer to me, I go, man, that's cool. It's John Paul Jackson. I don't know him intimately yet, but I know his gifts and stuff like that. This is great. It's just going to be me and John Paul Jackson in this room together. I went, oh my gosh. It's just going to be me and John Paul Jackson alone. There's nobody here to deflect any of the focus. It's just us two. I thought to myself, Lord, what are you, what are you telling him? He knows everything. So I'm in the mode, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like play it cool mode. I'm like, you know. So John Paul sits down. I got my little coffee. He says, oh, John Paul, how, how are you? He goes, you know, TJ, because God was, God was talking to me about you. And I went, oh, no. What's he going to say? And I realized this in that moment. God, every once in a while, will bring people alongside of you to help to, to not just nudge you in the right direction, but to confirm the thing that, you know, all the things that God's speaking to you. So as John Paul Jackson sat down, he told me this. He said, TJ, he said, um, he said don't be anxious slow down. You're not going to miss it. And he said, God told me to tell you this, be still. Now, for a vibrant Greek man, still is not in the vocabulary. We're not like a still water pond. We're more like a babbling brook. In fact, some of you have asked me what this means on my arm. This is Hebrew for be still. It impacted me so deeply. It was amazing. 
He told me this. He says, TJ, stop striving. He said, I'm positioning you to be used in my kingdom in a great way. He said, but you, gotta, you have to lift your eyes. You have to lift your focus. And you have to trust me. And I'm crying. It's not all over the place. Not a good look. And John Paul prayed for me. And he, he, he left. And I remember that day. Something shifted in my heart. I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand. I mean, I'm in my 20s. My early 20s. I didn't understand how all this stuff worked. I just knew that something had changed in me. And there was this one phrase that stuck in my heart that I didn't know what to do with. And I, I felt, I'll be honest with you, I felt a little bit embarrassed because, you know, I, I went to Bible school, went to Southeast University. I've got papers. I got all this cool stuff that looks great on a wall. But sometimes we have things on a wall and, and, and they don't necessarily equate to understanding. Right? And the thing that, 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 that messed with me was this. The way he spoke about the kingdom. You see, in my Christianity, my, 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 my sight was limited. My Christianity dealt with me. My daily walk with God, and all that stuff's great. And, and how I reason with God, and how I heard God, and God's purpose for my life, and all in my, 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 my. And then every once in a while, it would expand beyond me, and it would move to my church. What God's going to do in our church, we had a great church, blah, 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 blah. But the understanding of how the kingdom was interconnected, and I had something to say, I had a piece to play in the kingdom, it had never occurred to me that it was that vast, that I was part of something way bigger than just me. And it started to percolate in me questions. So God, what is the kingdom? Because how many of you know this? We have very, all of us have very independent driven faiths. We have personal little faiths. And sometimes our worlds get so small we don't see how we're interconnected with anybody else, less the kingdom. So, Lord, what is the kingdom? I mean, Jesus spoke about the kingdom a lot, didn't he? It's one of those words we talk about, but we don't really fully understand what it means. I mean, even Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, he told us to pray about bringing God's kingdom to the planet, right? How many good Catholics did we have here? Remember good Catholic church? You can say it's backward, forward, and everywhere in between, right? This is what Jesus said. This is the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9 says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we know this. We know that when Jesus came, he brought with him the kingdom. We know that when Jesus taught us to pray, he told us in our prayers, we were to pray for the kingdom of heaven to come and to be established here on the earth. So what is that? What does it look like? What does it taste like? How does it operate? And what does it have to do with us? If we're supposed to pray it, Lord, what does it look like practically for us as believers? What do we need to know in order to have the kingdom of God? Not just move in us, but move through us so that we could change our world. So I want to give you four little thoughts this morning. And then we're going to practically engage in the kingdom. We're going to have encouraging words again today, which are great. Um, the first is this, if we want to see the kingdom of God established on the planet, for us, the kingdom of God needs to be our priority. The kingdom cannot be a subset. It can't be something that we do every once in a while. The kingdom has to be where our compass points all the time. If you want to have the kingdom flow through your life, 
If you want to live from a place of God's pleasure, if you want to impact your world, the kingdom has to be your priority. Beloved, Jesus doesn't fit into our lives. It's not something we do. It has to move beyond we go to church once a week, we go to Bible study, we do this and we do that, you know, and then the kingdom is taken care of. It's not like a checklist that we, that we satisfy. In order to make Jesus first, in order to make the kingdom first, God has to be the center of our lives. We orient our lives around then what the heart of Jesus is, not what we want. The things that make God cry should bring us sorrow. The things that bring God joy should give us joy. That's how the kingdom operates. It's how it works. But here's the challenge sometimes. We want to do things our way. And we love to stay in the familiar. We're terrified to step into the unknown. And know this. The kingdom is expanding, which means this. The nature of the kingdom is to walk into the unknown. The impossible, the miraculous. When Jesus came and he walked in the planet, everywhere he went, he left fingerprints of the kingdom, the footprints of the kingdom. And it was unique and it was spectacular. And it was amazing. Why? Because he did the impossible. He did the impossible. In order to get to those roads, we've got to get off the roads that we're used to traveling. Um, I've told you guys stories of my father. Someday when you get to heaven, you'll get to meet him. He'll be the one in heaven in time out. His nose will be against the wall somewhere. And Jesus will be going, not yet, not yet. No, 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 you got another uh, 400,000 years. No, no, no. Drive him crazy like he drove me crazy. So a few years ago for uh, Pastor Appreciation Day in Wisconsin, they got me a uh, smoker, a pellet smoker grill. How many of you enjoy smoked meat? Isn't it great when you get a grill like that and you become an expert in smoked meat? I have not touched my smoker since I met Dave Deal. Why? There's no reason to. Why? So I can be disappointed in myself? I think not. So if you ever have a smoker like that, you, you, you learn there's, it's a progression. And those of you that know, you're my people. You start smoking, you know, elementary things, chicken and sausage and stuff like that. Then I made some very expensive beef jerky one time out of brisket. Very expensive beef jerky. Because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was moving, and, and to me, one of the pinnacles of smoking meat would be to do something for, for a big holiday. So I talked to Robin and I made this decision. It was a family decision. I said, guys, we're going to do something spectacular for Thanksgiving this year. I'm going to smoke a turkey for Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving's a big deal. If you smoke meat on another day of the year and you screw it up, you can always get a pizza. It's hard. I don't think pizza's open on Thanksgiving, is it? So I, 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 I shared this with my family and, and I thought the reaction would be different than I got. And every, the kids were like, ooh, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. And my father looked at me and says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. He said, you're going to ruin Thanksgiving for everybody. I said, thank you, Dad, for your heart of encouragement. But I decided to put that behind me. Because how many of you know every once in a while you've got to be focused on what's ahead, not what's behind you? My dad was behind me, a heavy load. He was a heavy load. But I still moved forward. I said, no, Dad. I said, I'm going to prove you wrong. It's going to be great. Now, we were not a big turkey family anyway. My dad didn't care for turkey. My kids are starting to learn to eat turkey now because I, I learned how to cook it and smoke it deliciously. Hallelujah. So through every part of the process, if you know anything about smoking meat, especially birds like that, it's a labor of love. 
A few days before, before, uh, before uh, Thanksgiving, I had to brine the turkey, had to put it there, had to get it all set up, had to get my rubs ready, had to get the stuff you're going to inject it, had to get all the, pet, all, all the stuff. And through every part of the process, my father was there to tell me how bad I was going to destroy Thanksgiving. Like a clock. Tick, this stinks. Tick, you're going to ruin it all. Tick, we're all going to die. Thanks, Dad. So the worst, this is the worst part. Thanksgiving morning, I wake up, because you put, it's smoked meat. It takes a long time to do it. You want it to be tender. I wake up about 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to put the turkey on at 5. My dad would always sleep till noon. Not that day. <laughs> that day, dad was up at 5 in the morning. I come into the kitchen. He's waiting for me. I said, dad, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just thought I'd be here. I want to watch you royally screw up Thanksgiving. I said, thanks, dad. I grab my turkey, pat it down, put all the stuff on her, and I put it in the smoker. This is the toughest thing about the smoker. You have to wait. You wait, not for minutes, hours, and you just don't know if it's going to come out. So the whole time, I'm waiting for hours. I keep thinking to myself, I'm praying. I'm praying. Me and the Lord have a great day. I'm like, Lord, I've not asked for much. May this turkey come out so great that I can use it to spite my father. <laughs> what I didn't know was this. That was going to be my dad's last Thanksgiving. So we made a fire. We sat there. And amongst the, the turkey trauma, we kind of reminisced. And I still remember this. The turkey had been in there forever. Toby was still a small lad. It looked great on the outside, but how do you know sometimes that doesn't equate to great on the inside? I've seen a Christmas vacation. We cut the turkey. I remember the first morsel went in my father's mouth. He ate it. Didn't even need his teeth that day. <laughs> it was so moist. And he looked at me and goes, this isn't terrible, which was the highest compliment my father could ever <laughs> give for anything. And we ate and it changed our tradition. Funniest thing that happened was this. So after that, for, you know, for Easter, the Greeks, we usually have lamb and stuff. Or excuse me, for Christmas, we usually have lamb and stuff. My dad, actually, my kids did it this year, too. My, ki- my dad actually requested, because you think you can make another one of those turkeys for, for Christmas? I said, no. <laughs> I'm not making you another turkey. The chances of me getting this right twice is minimal. No. It was a different way. And it turned out to be really, really good. Beloved, some of you are here today, and you're struggling with your faith. Because you keep doing it your own way. And God clearly offers us a different way. But there's a catch. You have to follow his plan, not yours. Let him give you the recipe of what you need in order to fulfill what he wants you to fulfill. Here's my first question to you when it comes to the kingdom. If the kingdom is not your priority, and you're just making this up as you go along... How's that working out for you? Does your Christianity have joy, peace, patience? Does your Christianity operate in power? Or is it a shadow of what it's supposed to be? Jesus told us this in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, everything else will be added unto you. If you want the kingdom of God to flow through you, the first thing is this. This is what you have to do. You've got to make the kingdom your priority. It has to be your focus. The second is this. The kingdom of God also perseveres. We have a tendency to do this when it comes to our Christianity and the church and the kingdom. We superimpose onto the kingdom our weakness, 
our flaws, our fears. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is not fragile. It's not sporadic. It's steady. It's constant. It perseveres. In all seasons, under every circumstance, the kingdom is not tied to our frailty. Do you know where the fastest growing churches of the world are right now? In persecuted countries. Brother Lazarus, who was here with us from Iran, Iran is one of the most heavily persecuted countries on the planet. You want to die for your faith, get on a plane, go fly to Iran. Yet, Iran has the fastest growing church on the planet. On the planet, there's a million believers strong from nothing to millions. Tertullian said this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Christianity does not do well when it's in power, but it does great when it's underground. Don't know why, just built like that. Why? The kingdom is not frail. The kingdom is steady, it's strong, it rises above the fray and the fears of our world. This is what Hebrews 12, 28 says about the kingdom. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the kingdom is not shaken. I love that. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. So here's a question. What does your faith look like? It's hard to release the kingdom in your life if your faith is like a roller coaster. What's the kingdom like in your life? How does it flow? It's weird sometimes. It's just, and I don't know why we do this. Sometimes we even think like, I guess I say this real delicately. Sometimes we, we, we take on too much responsibility when it comes to not just our faith, maybe responsibility is not the right word, pressure, burden, instead of just allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through you. Paul said this, we need to be instant in season and out of season when it comes to the flowing of our faith. That's just not just what we say. That's also how we operate. But sometimes our faith is more like, you know, Rocky Balboa. We've got to get, kind of psych ourselves up and get in there, you know, let the enemy beat on our face for a few rounds like Rocky. And then give them the sucker punch. Your faith's never designed to be like that. The kingdom was always designed to flow through you. Do you know what the number one thing that you have to put to the table when it comes to allowing the kingdom to be established and to flow through you? This is the number one thing that we put on the table. Yes. You're yes. God can work through any part of you as long as you give him your yes. So last week we had Brother Lazarus here. It was great. We're going to have him back to speak. I don't know if you, if you understand his position and his place in Iran. So other countries, especially persecuted countries, they're not built like us here in America. They don't have a billion different denominations. They usually have one common church. And that common church is just the one common church. Brother Lazarus is the gatekeeper to the church in Iran. The million believers so we, we get done with the services, and it's great. And I'm getting to know him, a humble, beautiful man. We go to have lunch, because how many of you know the best cap of great weekends of services is food? Amen. So we go to a house. I don't know the people at the house. I know Brother Lazarus. I know Zach and Randy Koshi and a few other people. And we sit there, and, um, and we're at the table, and Brother Lazarus looks at me. He says, okay, he goes, i got to tell you why, why I'm here and why you're here. And I'm like, I thought we were here just to eat. I guess we're not going to eat. He says, um, God told me, he said, war is coming to Iran. 
He said, persecution is going to be even heavier. He says, and God has charged me to build the structure so that the church in Iran will endure. And I'm like, okay, that's a heavy, uh, brother, I feel bad for you. That's a heavy, that's a heavy burden. We're going to pray right now. And he says, this is what God told me. He says, he told me to talk to you because you're going to give me the blueprint right now on how to do this. I was like, <laughs> me? And what's funny is this. The night before, one of my friends who lives in Chicago, he, he called me. And he says, man, there's something wrong with the internet at the well. He does some internet stuff. He goes, um, I think I'm supposed to be there in Delaware because I'm going to jump on a plane right now. This is Saturday night at 6 p.m. And I said, you're not here to fix the internet, Brian. You're here to talk to Brother Lazarus. So Brian flies in, and he happens to be, I, I invite him to come there. He lands at 2. He's there at 3 when we sit down to eat. About a month earlier, Brian had called me. He said, TJ, this is the weirdest thing. He says, God told me I need to ask you. You're supposed to speak something prophetically to me. He said, can you do that? I said, sure, I'll pray. It's a prophetic gift. I'll pray. If God gives me something, I'll give it to you. If not, that's fine too. So as I'm swimming at the hack, I like to swim in the, in the pool. God starts to download some stuff to me. I'm just telling you how it is, guys. I get back and I text him all this stuff that he gave me. I said, does any of it make sense? And he gives you the great response, no. Just wasted some pool time. That's great. He says, but I'll pray about it. So as I'm sitting at the table looking at Brother Lazarus, he's looking at me. God tells me, he says, TJ, I already told you what he needs to know about a month ago. I said, God, I don't understand. He says, open your mouth and speak. So I started to speak. And I, I'm not going to tell you all the details of it. I started to speak to him. And as I started to speak, I said, and there's another part. And my buddy Brian pulls out his phone. He goes, let me read the rest to you. And he reads word to word what I gave him a month ago. And Brother Lazarus is crying. And, we're, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a mess but it's a good mess. I say that to say this. I was not, I didn't have to go soup myself up for that. I had to say yes to God. That's how the kingdom works. That's how the kingdom flows. Say yes. I can almost guarantee that most of you in this room feel like me, incredibly unqualified. The best thing that I have for God is just my yes. I still don't know why God has decided to do what he's done in a chunky Greek kid from Pittsburgh. Why I'm here and why God is allowing me to enjoy this journey and this season with you, I do not know. But I'm grateful for it. And I just say yes. That's how the kingdom flows. You don't have to whip up the kingdom. When you live a life that pursues God's presence daily, when you seek him, and you're used to saying yes to God, the kingdom of heaven flows through you and it touches our world. The kingdom is steady, unshakable, strong. The kingdom flows from you, so let it out. Third, the kingdom of God is personal. It's the heart of God to release the kingdom on the planet through you, through me. We are the delivery systems for the kingdom. We're the delivery system for God's love, power, <clears throat> presence. Excuse me. So here's the question. <clears throat> Does your faith operate like the same power that rose Jesus from the dead beats in your chest? Is that where you live your, your, your faith from? 
personally. Now, most of us believe that God can do anything. How many of you believe that God can do miracles? I've seen too many miracles to know that he doesn't do miracles. I mean, he does miracles. Most of us don't struggle with the fact that we understand that God does miracles. You know what we struggle with? The understanding that God does miracles through us. We think that's for people on TV. We think that's for the intergalactic believers that we have, the ones that walk with God, like way more than we ever think we could ever, ever accomplish or do. That's where the rub is for us. That's where we, we struggle. Most of us struggle with the idea that God can never use us. Why? Because we're ordinary. God loves to use the ordinary to do extraordinary things. But you have to believe, you have to trust. Beloved, this is not about what we bring to the table. It's what he brings to the table. Let me introduce you to somebody. This is a great lady. This is Luann Dalkey, Luann and her husband, Glenn. Glenn was an elder of ours in Wisconsin. Luann was our bookkeeper, very quiet. Sweet lady, very quiet. Barely said a word. Unlike one of our bookkeepers now, <clears throat> Barb. Um, <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, I love that about you, by the way. So we would have our, our church services. We had about 100 people when we got there. And we weren't very supernatural, but they had two people every week that felt like it was their, their job, their burden to tell everybody what God's heart was. So they would give these kind of pseudo-prophetic words all the time. And they were weird and they were strong and they never felt right in my heart. I just don't know why. And I remember um, one morning, one of these guys stood up and he gave this prophetic thing and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's Jesus. I'm thinking, Lord, what do I got to do? I got to get this thing back. I don't understand. And as I'm standing there talking to the Lord, I feel a little tug on my, on my shirt. I look over and it's Luann. I said, hey, Luann, what can I do for you? She goes, Pastor, I, I, feel, I feel like God's telling me something. I said, what? She goes, I, I feel God speaking to me. I said, I, Luann, I cannot hear you. She goes, Pastor, I feel like God, he wants me to share something. I said, Luann, go for it. She goes, well, well, what do I do? I said, just go up there. Just go do it. So Luann was like that tall. Her Bible's that big. So she walks up there, puts her Bible down. You know, and every, we're just in worship, and everybody's looking at Luann. She opens up her Bible. It's like a two-hand, you know, open the Bible up. And she goes, I, 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 feel like, I, feel like, I feel like God has a word for us today. And in that gentle little voice, Luann starts to read this little passage. And she says, I feel like God wants to do this now. And the second she said now, this thing came on the congregation. It fell on us. People started to cry. People started to run to the altars. This little whisper, still small voice. That day, God did something in her. It shifted something in her, and it shifted something in our church. So she started to take greater steps of faith in that gifting. And it was beautiful. She was the head of our SEAL Team 6 of prayer warriors. She came up to me one day in the office. She goes, Pastor, she goes, I thought you should know something about me. I said, what's that, Luann? She goes, well, I looked up my name, what my name means. I said, what's it mean, Luann? She goes, battle maiden. <laughs> battle maiden. In my phone, if you want to call Luann, this is where you, you look up battle maiden. <laughs> I'm serious. It's right in there. It's just the way that it is. Battle maiden. God can do anything in you if you give him your yes. Beloved, you don't need to, to move beyond it's not something that's out there. It's not something that's just for people that you buy books from. The kingdom is not reserved in operation to people that just walk on this stage. 
The kingdom moves among us, walks among us, flows through us, each of us. Where you go, the kingdom goes. I hear people talking about, we've taken God out of schools. No, we haven't. God doesn't walk around the halls of schools. You know where he walks around? He walks in our students. When he beats in the chest of our students, you can't take God out of schools. Turn him loose. Go get him. Your work, it's so funny. People come to me, Pastor, you got to pray for God to give you a new job. Why? My work is full of darkness. I'm like, why would God move you from a place that's full of darkness? You're a candle. Candles don't work well in the light unless they're scented. And then that's a different story. Luke 17, 20 says this. Some Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. His answer was, the kingdom of God doesn't come in such a way as to be seen. No one will say, look, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. For some of you, your translations say, is among you. You know what the Greek word right there for within you is? It's entos. It means this, inside. Inside. The kingdom of God is inside of you. It is. Sometimes we look for God's presence and power to flow from everybody but us. Now, don't get me wrong, beloved. Please, don't under, please understand my heart. It's beautiful when we gather together and we pursue God together. We pursue God as a church. It's one of the things that we do. We create opportunities for you to do that. We have worship nights. We have deeper nights. We've got prayer furnaces. We're going to have encouraging words. All those things are incredibly important. They are. You know, we have worship gatherings and worship conferences and conferences. And all those things are absolutely wonderful. But know this. None of those things are completely necessary to happen for you to experience and for the kingdom of God to flow through your life. It can happen at your school. It can happen at your place of work. It can happen at the well. It can happen when you're having coffee with your friends and with your neighbors. You don't need to be in that setting, in that environment for God to do something miraculous. All you need is to be available and to allow the Spirit to flow through you. The same Holy Spirit that moves the prophets, the same Holy Spirit that moves in miracles, is the same Holy Spirit that flows through you. It's the same one. So we plug into it. We lean into it. Romans 8, 11 puts it this way. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies. The same Spirit living within you. The kingdom was not meant to be taught. It was meant to be caught. We pass along the kingdom person to person. Now, there's a place for teaching. Don't get me wrong. That's how we build disciples. But we've made the teaching aspect the catching aspect. This is why we struggle to catch fish. So here's my advice to you. Let the spirit out. Take a chance. Pray for the sick. Just maybe they might recover. Pray for your friends that don't know Jesus. They may find him. Pray for those that are troubled and broken. God may bring restoration. And when they ask you, where did that come from? You know what we do? It's not me. It's, it's him. I do my very best to, uh, to be common. The more common I am, hopefully the more people understand that there's nothing special about me. It's about what God does through us. 
that makes us extraordinary. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? It's a big deal for us. All right. We're going to move on to the last one because I'm out of time here. Last thing is this. Not only is the kingdom of God personal to us, it flows through us. Not only does he have to be the center, but the kingdom of God is also displayed in power. It's powerful. I don't know why in America and in Europe, most of our Christianity has shifted from power to talk. We've made our education and our talk the centerpiece of our Christianity. We've based our faith on superior theology and understanding rather than the love, power, and presence of God. Now, don't get me wrong. We need theology. We need understanding. We need wisdom. We need all those things. But we've made that the cornerstone instead of power. Do you know why we've done that? Because we can control it. We've done it because it's safe. One of the biggest disservices we've ever done to the gospel is this. We've taken something that was a cause, something that was primal, a shift in your DNA. When God changes you, you become a new creation. And you know what we've done to it? We've civilized it. We've domesticated our faith. Your faith was never made to be domesticated. It was never meant to be civilized. Ever. Your faith was meant to be unleashed on the planet. Simple fishermen. Throwaways. People that didn't fit the mold. People that didn't make the cut. That's, those, bless you, those are the people that God wants to use. Alongside of us people that may have other things too. Don't live a domesticated Christianity. The Holy Spirit wants to move through you. He wants to establish God's heart and his purposes through us. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Our faith needs to be based in the Spirit and in the Scripture, together, not one or the other. The Holy Spirit was given to us not just to make us better, but to fill us with power and to make us bold. To be a witness to the world around us. Acts 1.8 says it this way. These are the words of Jesus speaking right before he leaves. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witness telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what's interesting is that Greek word for witness is martos. Which actually means this. Experience it for yourself. To experience it for yourself. You'll be my witness. What God was saying was this. I'm going to fill you with so much power that you'll see for yourself. And because you've seen it, you've seen it, you can send it. And you can speak people, to people about it with authority. And that's what the disciples did. Do you know all of them except one were martyred for their faith? John, you know, he didn't die for his faith, but they tried to kill him a few times. Sound almost worse. So when they died, what would you die for? What conviction would you have to have in order to lay your life down? Some of you love the eagles, but I doubt you'd die for them. Right? They witnessed it. They can't turn back. 
That's the power element of your faith. That's what he does. That's what God does. He endues us with power. Is there a power aspect to your faith? I remember a few years ago, we had a, a couple that came to our church. And I mentioned the story. They'd been coming for about a month. It was after a service, and he was crying, and she was crying. They were a mess. And I love to do this. When you're crying, just so you know, this is my, this is my go-to. I'll say, so, did you have a good service? You know, the girl's mascara that started here was now down to here. And she cried, crying. So oh, it seems like you're enjoying my preaching like most people. Make him stop. And I said, what's going on? And the girl looked at me. She goes, you, you don't want to talk to me. You're, you hate me. You're going to hate me. I go, why would I hate you? She goes, I, I'm a Wiccan. I'm a witch. I said, that is awesome. She looked at me. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, that means you understand what power is, don't you? Yeah. I said, what you're experiencing now is real power, isn't it? What you had before isn't power, is it? I said, God brought you here for a reason. We prayed. They gave hearts to Christ. They became members of our church. The reason that they responded the way they did was because in our church, we experienced God's power in his presence. How many churches around us don't possess his power or his presence? If we don't have it, but the pages say that we do, but we don't experience it, part of our gospel is missing. It's like we're an engine missing pistons. Things are missing. They are. So what does that look like for us? What does it feel like for us? It means this. This is what the kingdom looks like for us as believers. Matthew 10, 7 puts it this way. Jesus talking to his church. Go around and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy. Cast out demons. Give as freely as you've received. Those are our marching orders. That's how we're supposed to react. That's how the kingdom flows through us. It all starts with this. Step out. Let God move and work through you. Bow your heads. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.